right, uh, let's get this off. We're up to episode 60. Is that right, Kyle? I didn't ask you before. Big 60. Yeah, yeah yep. 60. I did check episodes, that. Episode 60 of Racing News. Um, we've had a few events that have been cancelled due to the weather uh, that's been going on around here. But we've got a few races to talk about and a few different things that have happened around the world, um, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about. So, yeah, Racing News, here we go. Kyle, so we're getting very close now. Canberra is screaming up to us. Um it must now be, what, three, four, four weeks? I'm going to say four weeks away. Is that right? Four weeks away. 28 days yep. today. Well, less when people are listening to this, but inside yep. four weeks. So you, d- you were talking about exciting. heading down to Port Macquarie, but that didn't that didn't happen? Yeah. No. We obviously, obviously with the floods and everything kind of going on, most of the roads have been closed. So we decided probably a few days before, probably two days before, that we were going to pull the pin on that trip just because at that stage it was around a nine-hour trip each way and i thought oh like 18 hours of driving in three days to run for an hour just over an hour it just seems a bit bit much so we decided (laughs) to 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 pull the pin on that and do something else instead but yeah it would have been good to go down um i was kind of looking forward to putting a bib on and and getting back into a race but wasn't to be so we're stuck with with more training but that's right there'll be plenty more races but yeah didn't get to go down unfortunately so give us a bit of an overview then. What have you done? Because I know you did a, a time trial-ish kind of thing last weekend. Um, so, yeah, go through a couple of the key workouts that you've done over the last four nights. Yeah, nine. so, well, the Tuesday, a normal Tuesday session kind of two weeks ago, at that stage we were still going to Port Macquarie for this half. So we were doing a little bit of a, a taper session and we did 15-minute tempo and I think we ran about 3.30s, jog for a bit, and then we just did 5 by 90 seconds, just kind of hard but just to feel um, – and that went well. I think we all felt okay. And at that point it was, you know, we're going to have a few days of jogging after that before this this race. And, yeah, obviously that wasn't to be. So when we made the decision that we were going to not go to Port Macquarie, I thought, well, we we're going to race anyway. So it's probably a good chance to do a bit of a marathon simulation and, and make it a bit of a hard effort considering we we're going to have a hard effort anyway. And I settled on making us do a 90-minute marathon effort. Um, and I thought this would be good. We decided we'd go back up to up at the spit and do the same 3K loop that we did for our half marathon last year. And yep. a couple of days out, we just started, you know, I was watching the the weather and just thought, oh, this, this could be okay, and it just seemed to get warmer and warmer, and I thought this is going to be interesting. So I think we knew the day before it was going to be quite warm on Sunday morning, and we looked at the temperatures, and I thought it was going to be about probably in the mid-20s and quite humid, so the plan was to to try and adjust the paces because marathon pace for Canberra is going to be in, you know, potentially single digit weather and trying to run that same effort or what that's going to feel like up here when it's in the mid twenties and you know 95% humidity is obviously going to be a bit different. So we decided to go up to the spit and it was going to be mainly off field, but I was happy for this to be a little bit of a hard effort considering we we're going to race. And we thought we'll get up to the spit. We'll try and get up there nice and early because you know, we'll beat the heat, try and start you know as early as we can. We probably got up there at about, oh, I don't know, 4.50 or so. Both the gates were locked to get around to the spit. Okay, this is interesting. <laughs> so that turns out I think the security guard comes around and opens them at around 5 o'clock on the, every morning. And it was quite mm-hmm. funny. It was quite dark. And he was opening the gate at the very end of the spit. And there was about five of us just in a car lineup right behind the security <laughs> guard just waiting for it to come in. And we thought, this is the most pressure this guy's ever been under. So he opened the first gate. And it was funny. He had Costa right up behind him, like driving right behind him around the park. And this guy would have been like, what are these people doing? So we're all lined up behind him at the second gate. And then we took off and parked down near the, the block where we were going to park. So we got started a little bit later on that Sunday because we didn't probably start mm-hmm. running until... I would have been 5.40 or so by then. So 
I think by then it was already about 25 or 26 degrees. So we thought, okay, this is going to be a, a good challenge. And we got started and it wasn't too bad. There was a little bit of a breeze around, but it was a northerly, so not that cold. So it was quite warm, mm. still running into the breeze and then humid the other way. But it was good. We kind of just settled into a rhythm and it got fairly, it actually got tough towards the end. I had my heart rate monitor on and my goal was to try and, I knew my heart rate was going to go high just because of how hot it was, but I was trying to keep it in like the mid to high 170s for as long as I possibly could. I think for Canberra, the goal is going to be to try and keep it at most to the high 170s for as long as I possibly can, kind of mid 170s. And I reckon I got to about 11 or 12 Ks and it just, I could feel it starting to creep up. And I thought, oh, you know, it's hot, whatever. I'm just going to keep the effort similar. I know it's going to go up a little bit and have a good session. And I actually felt like I finished quite strong. So we ended up, I ticked 90 minutes and I pretty much hit 25 Ks on the dot. So that was about 336s. So considering the goal pace to run sub 230, I'm going to have to run 332s, say, for Canberra. And it's going to be probably 15 degrees cooler. I was very happy with that to run to run 336s because it was quite a warm day. So that was a, you know, it was a tough effort towards the end. Heart rate definitely got up, but that was a good confidence boost to run 90 minutes in really tough conditions. Um, mm. And it gave me confidence because Canberra, I know it could be cold, it could be warmer, but it's not going to be as bad as what it was last Sunday. So to do it in those conditions, knowing Canberra is definitely going to be better than that, you know, unless it's a stupidly windy day, but hopefully that's not the case was a was a good confidence boost so we kind of i was i felt like i finished that week even though we didn't get to race feeling like i had a good solid effort that then set me up for this last you know couple of weeks of training before we we taper um and then we actually backed up and did a session we were going to do a session um on the tuesday but i went on we made the decision to do the 90 minute uh at marathon pace i decided to push the sessions back this week to thursday sunday again just so that we didn't go 90 minute marathon pace straight into a hard session on the Tuesday. So that was in a couple of days. So we just jogged, I just jogged easy Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday we did initially when I wrote the session, I wrote it as three K one K by three. I remember I wrote it maybe a few weeks ago. And I thought, Oh, that sounds like a good one. Like hopefully it's cooled down by then. We'll be feeling great. And it's still quite warm this week. And I got to that mm. point and I was like, Oh, there's no way I'm going to get through this whole session. Maybe we'll chop the last one K off and, We'll see how we feel in this last on this third set and, and see how we go. So I ended up doing 3K, 1K, 3K, 1K, 3K. And yep. the plan was to kind of continue to jog a minute or two or two minutes between all of the reps. And we went 3.30 for the 3K, about 3.15 or so for the one, 3.30 again for the second one. And then I think about 3.15 again. And I could tell I was working quite hard in that second 1K and just made the call as soon as we finished that second 1K that I was just going to stop and walk at least a minute and a half of that last recovery because I could just tell mm. my heart where it was high. And I kind of stood there and I was like, if I keep trying to push this float, I'm not going to get through this 3K rep. It's just silly for me to try and push. So made the decision to stop and just walk for about 90 seconds, which I'm so glad I did because it gave us all a chance to kind of get our heart rate back down, jog the last 30 seconds of the recovery. And then I actually got through that last 3K rep at the exact same split as what I did in the second one. So mm. that was one of those decisions that I kind of made split second in the middle of the session. And I'm glad I did because I don't think I would actually got through that rep had I tried to push on with that jog recovery. So that was kind of just, again, adapting to heat and conditions. But I finished that session and it was a really bizarre one because I was kind of watching my heart rate towards the last K that rep and it was definitely creeping up quite high at that point. But it didn't feel like it was getting quite as hard as what the heart rate reflected. Like my legs felt good. I could tell I was breathing hard, but I felt like I could keep running. It was a it was a bizarre one because then I finished. Yeah. And I reckon it was the closest I've ever felt to throwing up at the end of a session for about the next minute. I don't know what came over me. I was just like, what is that? I actually felt okay. And then as soon as I stopped, obviously it was just warm and dehydrated, but I was fine. Yeah. Um, so that was one of those sessions. I was like, oh, that was a bit of a grind, but, but got that one done. 
And then I, in the back of my head, I knew we had a big session to do today, which is the Sunday, kind of three days later. So I didn't want to push that too hard, but kind of got through that one. And it was interesting. We had this chat the week before as well about running with the wind in workouts. And on that session, it was a southerly on Thursday for that session. And obviously the pace of the wind was exactly the same as the pace we were running when we were heading north because we ran south into the wind. And it was kind of felt like this massive headwind. And then as soon as we turned around, it was just completely still, absolutely yep. nothing. I felt like I was running on a treadmill, not even like the air resistance of running. It just felt like it was just absolutely nothing. It was dead silent. <laughs> and I was like, obviously, we're just running at the exact same speed that the wind's going because you couldn't hear anything. It was bizarre. And we were chatting about this the week before afterwards about kind of the difference between tailwind and headwind. And obviously, everyone yeah. thinks, oh, you get this big tailwind, how good's this? And, you know, you got to run into the headwind, but it evens itself out when you do the tailwind. But it definitely doesn't work like that with the wind, which is why everyone always hates running with the wind. Because when you're running, say there's a, that's what we're talking about. Say there's a 17 kilometer an hour wind. When you're running with the wind, if you're running 17 kilometers an hour, you're not going to feel anything. You're not going to get any tailwind because that wind's just Mm. matching your speed. So you get no help at all. It'd be the Mm. same as running on a treadmill. But then when you turn around and run 17K an hour into a 17K an hour headwind, it's a 34K an hour relative wind. So hmm. that's why it feels so different. And running with no tailwind versus a 34k hour relative headwind does not even out, let me tell you. So unless you've got a huge tailwind, which still then means it's worse going into it, you're never going to run the opposite end of that when you go with the wind to make up time for the loss with the wind. So it yeah. does not even out. Hence why running in the wind is definitely the worst. I'd rather the rain or the heat than, than terrible wind because you can't even it out. It doesn't work. So we're having this conversation and turn into a bit of a physics lesson at Main Beach two or two Tuesdays ago between yourself myself and Jack. It did. It was quite funny, but well, was I've just a little learning experience. I've just had a bit of a look at the um the weather app here. So 23 kilometer an hour uh, wind at the moment. So you would have felt, so it's a bit windier this afternoon than it was this morning then you're saying. Well, this morning was a little bit, this morning it was definitely a little bit windy because I could still feel a bit of the wind when we were running with it, but it definitely, you could yeah. definitely feel it when you're running into it. So it must've been a little bit, a little bit stronger than what we were running by a couple of K. So that probably about the same, but yeah, that was a good little physics lesson for everyone at, at Main Beach after a run. So I was, I was glad we had that chat. Now, one question you mentioned before about the float. Now, this is something which I think amateur runners would be quite interested in. So two questions here. What, what is the purpose of the float? And I guess, how fast should it be done? So it'll depend on the the purpose of the session. So I kind of use all different variations of recoveries when it comes to yep. sessions. So if I was doing, you know, if I was when we were training for the 5K, for example, and we were doing fast reps on the track, that was generally like a stop kind of walk, maybe a bit of a jog, but it was a full recovery almost between reps because the goal of that was trying to run a certain distance at a certain speed. And I didn't really want to just build up fatigue by trying to keep running between reps. The goal mm. was the actual reps. Whereas then as I start to kind of, if I'm starting off a training block, for example, I'll do jog recoveries, but they're generally quite slow. So it's as slow as I need to, to feel like I recover between reps without stopping. As I feel like I kind of build, I'll turn them into what we would call floats. That's just the term we use where it's not a complete recovery. So you're still running, but you're still running at a decent speed. You're just backing off so you can somewhat recover and let your heart rate drop. So when I'm in and I'll go through today's session in a second because today was one of those sessions where I was floating between the reps. I wasn't just jogging. Um, And it's where I kind of want to just break up the session. So if I start to think about a float session, it's almost a big continuous run. It's just occasionally you just back off a touch. It's almost like you're just surging and you're just backing off for a second. So you're not really stopping. You don't feel like you're doing reps per se. You feel like you're kind of doing a continuous run. You're just allowed to back off for, say, it's five minutes or whatever it is. 
just to whatever you need to feel like you can kind of regroup and feel like you're back on top of your breathing and then you go again. So I only generally go to floats one when the weather's good. Like I always generally, when we're training through summer, I'll very rarely float. I'll generally do like kind of full recoveries or anything because the fatigue you kind of accumulate if you're trying to run the recoveries a little bit harder, it's just too much and you end up not being able to finish the session, which is exactly what happened on on Thursday this week. Um, We weren't necessarily floating. We were jogging between the reps, but it just got to the point because of the conditions I needed to stop and just recover a little bit more in that rep because, again, the purpose of that session was to hit the splits, not to try and run the whole session and not feel like I'm stopping. So whereas today's one was a little bit different where – so today, and I'll go into kind of today's session because that's kind of where I was up to anyway. So I jogged. I actually had Friday off, had a long day at work, and then jogged Saturday. And then today's session, which is another kind of key marathon session that a lot of people do anyway, it's not not mine. We do four by five Ks um, with a 1K float. So with that one, I kind of look at it and go, it's going to be safe. If you don't do the last one, you finish at the end of the, the fourth rep. And people argue that you probably should do the last recovery and not not finish yeah. at the last split. But anyway, we stopped at the last end of, last of the 5Ks. It was 5K on, 1K float by four. So it was 23Ks all up without that last kilometer. And in my head, I looked at that and kind of went, I'm kind of going to be running a 23K session here. It's just three of those Ks in the middle, I'm going to get to back off and regroup. So versus sometimes you'll look at that if you're doing like, you know, 1K reps, you don't think of it as a full session. You think of it as 1K on stop and recover and then you're back on again. Whereas today was kind of like, it's a long continuous run. I'm just going to be backing off and regrouping for this K. I'm not going to stop and walk or, you know, fully recover. And it kind of makes me think of it as a long session. And I kind of get that purpose out of it, of running at a, for, you know, a long period of time at a consistent effort and not feeling like I'm stopping and starting all the time. Um, mm. And it's just, it was just enough that I felt like I could regroup. So last weekend when we did the 90 minutes straight, you didn't get that. So you kind of just continually building up this fatigue and that felt significantly harder than this weekend where we got this 1K float and I'll go through the splits and stuff that I ran this morning, but the floats that we were doing were, I was only just over four minute pace anyway. So it was mm. slower than what I was running by say 30 or 40 seconds, but it wasn't, I wasn't running five minute Ks. I only backed off enough that I felt like I just recovered. Um, heart rate came back down a bit and then off I went again. So that was the, the purpose of this session. And I think when you get into those mm. longer, like your heart marathons, your marathons, especially being able to sustain that effort for a while is kind of key. So it's just enough of a recovery to get through the whole session versus, and again, yeah. like I said, it comes down to the purpose of the session. And today was, was about that long effort. So the goal today, it was one of those interesting ones where normally you'd write this. And for most people I prescribe this as four by five K kind of marathon effort. So really, if I looked at that and just did this as marathon effort, I probably would have aimed to have run the reps at say three thirty six. It was a little bit cooler this morning. And, you know, mm-hmm. given it's going to be cooler in Canberra, I probably only needed to run three thirty five, three thirty six, And it would have been equivalent to what I'm going to feel in Canberra. But I, the, and I've said this before, the goal for camera is just to tick off this sub 30. I kind of feel like I'm starting to get in shape to probably, if I really wanted to have a crack at a little bit quicker. So I kind of wanted to use today's session as a little bit of a, I, I kind of gave myself a license to push in the back half of the session. I wanted to stay controlled for the first half. And if I was feeling good, I kind of knew that I was going to just wind it up a little bit towards the end and just see how I felt running these reps. So we did the, we did the first rep kind of reasonably controlled and I'll, I'll bring my splits up so I can actually have a look. And I think the first one, and I only had kind of this set up on my watch, so I didn't know the actual individual kilometer splits. I just had the 5K block on yep. my watch and the average pace. But the first one we ran, I think 332s, um, I ran, so we ran 17.40 for the first 5K, floated a K in 4.14. The second rep ran 330s, so it was 17.29. And I felt I knew at that point that I was like, oh, I'm going to have a good session today. Like that felt really good. And I said, I can definitely mm. kind of wind this up a little bit. 
floated a K in 4.14 again. And then I ran, I started the third rep and kind of as soon as I got into that first K, I just felt good. I felt like I just got into a really nice rhythm. And I ended up averaging, I think, 324s for the third one. So we ran, I ran 17 flat in that third rep, which is faster yeah. than what I'm going to run in Canberra. But again, I was kind of happy just to go, I'm going to push this a little bit because I feel really good and just kind of get a good training stimulus out of this session. So I did that one. And I remember I looked down after that one and thought, okay, that's faster than I thought I was going to run. That's good. And then I ran that last float and I felt like I was actually running quite slow. And I looked down and I think I ran a five, a 405K before I started the last rep and I felt really good. And then I thought, okay, mm. I'm just going to run this last 5K hard and just see what happens and kind of not really look at my watch and ran 16.30 for the last 5K. So that was just like a Jeez. big kind of confidence boost. I think I looked down a couple of times in the last split and I could see that my pace was 3.18 or 3.16 or 18 or something like that and thought, okay, <laughs> I'm just not going to look at my watch. I'm oh, just yeah. going to keep running. I was feeling really good and I knew I was pushing a little bit the last K or so, but <clears throat> it was one of those sessions that I finished and went, you know, that was my that was faster than my PB a couple of years ago for 5K. Yeah. And I just ran that at the end of that session. So that was a, I kind of finished it and went, okay, that's by far the fastest I've ever done that session before and felt absolutely amazing. And we probably still got about 10 degrees to go down to yeah. Canberra. So it was a very, very good run. Probably one of the best you, sessions I've ever done. I was going to say, you must have been buzzing at the end of that to look at that fast 5K. <clears throat> yeah, I it kind of surprised myself. I, I remember I was running, I looked at my point and going, I'm going to run under 17 minutes here for this last one. And then to run 16.30, I was like, oh, that's that's a very, very good sign. I'm, I was very, very happy with it at the end. Because um, I think I read, like, the last 10Ks other than that K float, I think I was 30, I was only about 35 seconds off my 10K PB mm. with those last two mm. 5K splits. I just had the K float in the middle. So that is a very positive sign that, you know, my fitness is going well, training's going well. I'm in a good spot now, four weeks yeah. out. Definitely. So, yeah, going, going back to that idea of the float, then you can based on the splits that you said, you can tell how, I guess, sometimes misused that term float is by, you know, by amateur runners, I think in the same way that we probably misuse threshold or tempo or things like that. So what most people might consider to be a float is probably more uh, like a recovery between sets, between reps, like you were saying before. And that float then is, I mean, you're talking about averaging 330-ish, 320 pace for the 5K and then dropping it back only 30 to 40 seconds for a, for a full one kilometre. That's that's not a recovery, as you were saying, is it? That is a genuine float. Um, no, and, if and I, probably... like you said, I said, I purposely did that because if I'd done that as a recovery and said, I'm just going to kind of walk jog this and it's going to be a 5.30 mm. or a six minute, I probably would have then pushed the first few reps harder. Like I didn't want it to feel mm. like I actually got a recovery. It was just enough to back off, get my breath, regroup, make sure I was on the right pace and then go again. And I, I find that really useful because it kind of changes my mindset for that session to this is a long continuous run where I just back off a touch and regroup, not mm-hmm. okay, I've got a 5k split. I'm going to stop and fully recover and then go hard again. And I, I quite like those types of sessions, but yeah. you've got to really build up to those. Like, again, if I did that in last week's conditions, I would have jogged, I would have jogged the floats. I wouldn't have tried to push those, those um, K's in between the 5k reps because I wouldn't have been able to recover. So that was mm-hmm. just kind of the conditions probably allowed it to, to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen a couple of people do them on the track, you know, middle distance runners on the track. And when you're watching the float as compared to when you're watching the effort, you could almost tell no difference. I mean, obviously there is a difference in the pace, but the, it looks so controlled and it looks so smooth. The float doesn't look like a recovery at all. It just looks like, okay, we're bringing the heart rate down maybe 10 beats, 15 beats for a period of time, and then we lift it back up. And it's really controlled. It's, it's a wonderful thing to watch when you watch someone do it um, as opposed to, you know, a workout interval session where they're basically on their knees at the end, aren't they? Because they're fully gassed. And I guess 
in a float sort of session, you might not get to that stage, maybe on the last rep, but generally you probably wouldn't. Um, so that, that puts you in phenomenal form then, doesn't it, going into Canberra? That that must make you and, and you yeah, mentioned that again. it must be it must it must make you excited, but it must almost fill you with a little bit of trepidation because you just said then you could go quicker. You, there's, there is a temptation now, isn't there, to push maybe for a 27, 26? I don't know what you're thinking, but like you said, you wanted the 229, that's it. So is 228, does that make a difference? Does 227 make a difference at, at a risk of then oh, running look, 231? Like Exactly. I think it's one of those ones that, look, Canberra's not the fastest course in the world. Like if I was going to train for like a Berlin marathon or a London marathon, I'd probably have a crack and go, I'm going to have massive groups to run with no matter who I run with here. I'm just going to have a go. Whereas given it's... Yeah. I suppose still technically my first marathon race where I'm going to stand on the start line and run as hard as I can for a marathon. I can't get too greedy. Like I don't want to stand there and go, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try and run 225 and blow up and run 240. Like it, that doesn't interest me at this stage. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just get the runs on the board, have a solid run. If I can run 229, I'll be over the moon. If it's not my day and I run a bit over, that's fine. Like I'll move on to the next one. But because again, like, I'm going to probably stand on the start line going, I know the fitness is there to run sub 230. Like I've looked at all the sessions and what I've done in the last couple of months and the fitness is there to do it. Like if I don't you know, execute perfectly on the day, I'm I'm okay with that because I will at some point. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. I've got to be careful now. The one thing I'm being cautious of is I don't want to run my race before I get there. Like we've still got four <laughs> weeks to go and I just, I'm, yeah. and hence why like I only ran 100Ks this week. Like I'm in full marathon mm-hmm. training and I only just like literally 100 on the dot this week with, 31 of it today so i had a fairly light week considering i'm in Mm. in the middle of my peak marathon training i think monday only ran eight or nine k's tuesday was 12 and i had friday off and i think saturday was 12 like that's all i'd done i didn't do too much this week so i'm kind of trying to balance i want to get the sessions done i would like volume as well but i'm gonna you know if i need a day off i'm gonna take it still and try to be smart Mm. about it and not you know bite off more that i can chew just because i'm feeling good doesn't mean i need more so it's just consistent hitting these sessions feeling good getting good rest and fingers i got 28 days to go now so it's only a couple more sessions and then we'll kind of start backing off and tapering and then like i said hopefully we get a nice day down there and we'll be ready to go and it's it's interesting isn't it with the marathon i guess any type of running that we we choose these arbitrary numbers these round numbers i mean you're talking 230 like Let's say you, you know, everyone, everyone will see if you run two thirty in fifty seconds, people will recognize that because it's such a round, perfect number. Whereas if, if you were going for two twenty five and you ran two twenty five fifty, people wouldn't, people wouldn't even recognize it. Or if you know, if you're running in the mid two thirties or whatever, but because it's that round, ridiculously arbitrary number that always almost meaningless. It's just a number, but we have those round ones, don't we? Like we have two thirty and I guess two forty eight's another one for the four minute kilometer pace. Obviously, three hours is a massive one, and then we have three thirty. We have four hours and I remember once seeing a study about the amount of people, they did it on a, like a graph, the amount of people who finished just before an hour and those that just finished after an hour. And obviously that's where the packs are and that's where the groups are. And in between, there's almost no one, like compared to what's around that number. And the study was talking about what if we just shifted the the numbers five minutes? Would would this, would this the graph look identical or would it look different? And, you know, the, the person writing it suggested that it would probably still look the same if you moved... 230 to 225 and if you move three hours to 255 and you move 330 to 325 the graph would probably look the same and well it's so, like you said, the funny thing with it is like the marathon's such a weird number like 42.2 like yeah if a marathon was 40 k's three hours would probably still be the number everyone wants to break yeah and it wouldn't be as yeah. fast 
it's the, like it's yeah. 42.2 it just so happens that yeah. 413 pace 42.2 cases this number that works out to be three hours and everyone goes for it like it's a random when you look at it like that like yep. it just happens that a marathon is 42.2 kilometers like a marathon could be 44 kilometers and then yeah everyone will be going oh there's no way i'm gonna break three hours like it's just the fact that it works out <laughs> that everyone yeah. gets drawn to these random numbers like it's quite funny to yeah. think about but we all get drawn to it since why i'm going you know 230 is this number and i think it's also like the marathon's got so much history like everyone knows like oh they're a sub 230 marathon yeah. like people remember that so that's the plan yeah go for these random numbers definitely all right let's move from the road then to uh various locations around southeast queensland it's been a well we've, we've talked about this morning for a while haven't we that that march kind of kicks off the trail series i guess for a lot of things because i don't know i don't know if you think the season is broken i i've got a bit of a feeling this week there's a couple of cooler mornings that maybe we're turning a corner like that that could work against me in the next couple of weeks but i feel like we're just turning a corner um and a race that you and i did last year kyle but we both weren't there this year for differing reasons was in the raw so that took place this is the first race in the triple crown so we've got in the raw um we've got the i'm not sure what they're actually going to call it but that border race um which is on the old up the buff um course that's later in the year and also coastal high that makes up part of the triple crown but uh in the raw happened this morning i think the course what we can i've I messaged um brad ed just an hour ago and he's got back to me and he said pretty much the race, the course was similar to last year, except I don't know, Kyle, if you remember where Vince Flesher was standing last year uh, yes. at the top of that second hill. Um, Brad said they just went a little bit further and came back down. So um, it's almost identical. Not sure if the conditions underfoot were as the same as last year because I think we had rain again last year, didn't we, which is the reason why we changed to this course again. So I'm not too sure whether it was just I'm as pretty sure it was difficult. much nicer today from, from everything I've heard. Last year was significantly slower. <sighs> Right, yeah. So let's let's um let's go through some some uh, some times. I'll go uh, I'll go short course, Kyle. If if I'll do short course first, you um you can go good. long course for me. So short course in the female third place, Isabel Lund, in one hour thirty two. In second place, Britt Chambers in one hour twenty five. And Jody Cumner again. We were talking about this just before we started recording, Kyle. One hour twenty two. I think that placed her. I think it placed her fourth overall. I think overall fourth. And that's an ex- ex- another exceptional result for Jody. She had a great race at um, Hinsdam, uh, taking out the the short course female win there, and then she's backed it up here today uh, with a with a, a winner in the raw. So a great result for Jody. And then in the males, we had Stephen Ruddick one hour twenty two, Adrian Gep one hour twenty, and uh, a good mate of ours from the North Club, Henry Coombs, who's just this is a great result for Henry, just coming back from an ankle injury of some sort, uh, one hour seventeen. So he's, I mean, that's. Jody and Henry have both won by three minutes there, so that's that's pretty significant over a fifteen-kilometer race. I know it's hilly, and um, you know Henry's very good on the hills, and obviously Jody's exceptionally good on the hills as well. And we know from last year, Kyle, that it is it's a it's a long slog up a hill, isn't it? It's not it's not sort of your classic trail race where it goes up and down, up and down, up and down continuously. This is and I actually quite like this last year because once you got your heart rate under control, you were under control then the whole way. So I. I didn't find the course, yes, it was hilly, and you look at the elevation and go, it's tough, but I didn't find it as tough as some other trail races I've been on when, you know, you might do a downhill section, then you've got to go up a spiky hill, then you've got to go up a long hill, then there's a downhill. This, I felt, you just had to get into a couple of zones, an uphill zone and a downhill zone a few times. Um, but, yeah, great results in the 15 kilometres there. Um, so the, the 25, had some big names in the 25, and it would have been quite a good race to watch. So have you got the results there, Kyle, for the... The yeah, longer course. This was your event last so, year. Yeah. 
uh, good memories of this event last year. We had a good good race. This will be the infamous time that I told Tom Brimley not to chase Tate, and then we never saw Tate again. He he took the win, and we never never caught him, unfortunately. But that's all right. I'm sure Tom's yeah. forgiven me for that. I'm sure he has. Um, yeah, I'll yeah. go through the the females first. So third place was Robin Bennett. She ran two thirty four thirty nine, and I did pretty sure I saw on her Strava or social media that she took a wrong turn with a couple of k's to go. So I'm not sure if she was in the lead because it's. It did. I think she said it did cost her a little bit of time. And if you look at the results here, second place was Haley Teal in two thirty three twenty five, and then twenty six seconds ahead of her was Georgia Jones in two thirty uh, two fifty nine. So Robin was only a minute forty behind first, and had taken a wrong turn towards the end. So very close mm-hmm. racing in the ladies' race there to be you know, three people within a couple of minutes in the end. So that looks like it's almost the, the pick of the races for the day, considering how yeah. close the top three were with a few you know missed turns and drama at the end. Um, but yeah, good racing by the ladies there. And then in the males, so the big salt train presence, it seemed like. Huge at, salt train. In the, in the raw. So I think we're going to have to just look at this and go, salt train, it was their year this year. It was our year last year. We'll just have to compare yep. times and decide who was who was the better club. So <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Pierce was, he was third in 201.12. So he's had a good run. Uh, Eddie Keogh, who's, you know, he's won GC50. He Yep. Second at Hins Dam just recently as well. He's now got second. He ran 158.14. And then Brian Wilder has come back after, I think he was, what, second in the last two SEQ short course series. He's come back and won in 155.42, mm. so two and a half minutes in front of Eddie. So he's had a he's had a great run. So, yeah, good racing it looked like in the <clears throat> in the long course. Well, I've got some I've got some uh, some messages here from Brad Ed. Brad, I hope you don't mind me reading these out because um, it provides a good insight into certain things, and we know Brad has uh, always a good, interesting take on races. So, so he, he sent me two screenshots. So last year he did the short course, and it came out as thirteen point six, and this year he's done the short course again, um, and it's come out bang on about fifteen. So we can see there that there's a bit of a difference um, in the course and a bit longer. He also said, I'm just bringing them up here because my phone's just gone. He also said that there was a bit of a battle between uh, the front three. Let's have a look at what he actually said here. Let's see if I can get my phone to come back on. My battery's just died. So he, th- he said there was a bit of a battle between the top three. Um, uh, he also said here, what's he got? Um, let me scroll down to it. Yeah, good battle between Eddie and Brian. I saw them just after the turn. And there was lucky to be five seconds in it. So that's close. And Brian out a couple of minutes into the last downhill. Um, so it looks like they were quite close for a while. Pierce, he did well. He said to hold on to third as there was a battle of three of them swapping places. Um, here's an interesting one, um, Kyle. Clayton Moore. Now, Clayton Moore is the one who has beaten um, Brian in the short course series recently. Clayton Moore was a DNF. Not sure what happened. Emmett, no. Matthews, said he, Emmett Matthews said he saw him walking early. So some great reporting from Drama. on the course from, uh, from from other athletes, but so I don't know if Clayton was in the short course or the long course. There, that'd be interesting whether he was in the long course. We'll find out a bit more about that. But yeah, great reporting from Brad. Well done, Brad. Uh, thanks for the updates. And Emmett Matthews out on course as well. Some uh, some updates from Emmett there. So yeah, it's it is a wonderful race. And now that it's been made part of that triple crown, it's even better, I guess. And I don't know if Kyle, you've seen the photos. Some really good trophies or some good sort of plaques. Yeah, excellent um, trophies. They uh they used to have years ago, didn't they? They had the um they used to have like a like a superhero's cloak, didn't they? Like yeah, a gown cape, sort of the, thing. The, like leading, the, would work. the winner yeah. of the male, female, and they had to both walk around in those for the rest of the the rest of the day. 
So good tradition yeah. that used to happen. That was good. Now, one of the things, Cole, that you're going to have to look at this afternoon, I'm not sure if you did, but if you, I don't know if you remember last year, Henry, after we after we ran it, because it was the first time that we'd run this course, he made all those segments and he named all the That's segments right, yes. after runners in the North one. So I got one, I got a hill or something named after me. I think you got one named after you as well. So um, so we'll have to go and have a little bit of a look at that and see how, see if the crowns have been taken. We didn't, I, I didn't have the crowns. We didn't have the crowns. They were just named after us. So Henry likes to make certain segments from certain races so um we'll have to have here we go so that. i'm looking currently at baddie's descent which was yours oh, right. and okay. it looks like what's eddie eddie has taken the crown today he has what's the stats it. what's this what's the stats for that strava segment so for that one it looks like so luke kilborn had it in 654 and pct has now tied his one i was 656 eddie ran 630 so he has absolutely Ooh. flown down this descent Jeez. so what was a couple the, of K, was it? Two kilometers, roughly? Uh, where is it? It was 1.8, that yep. descent. And okay. then we've got, oh, I've got a climb here. I didn't even realize. There's a climb named after me that I definitely don't think I had the crown. Oh, yes. So I was second in 15-12. Tom had it last year by two seconds. Eddie was 12 yep. seconds behind Tom and uh, behind myself and 14 behind Tom from last year. So that gives me confidence that our climb, my climbing was good last year. It's so is Brian on that... Is Brian on the list there? No, or is Brian's, he, his, his... Brian's not on the list at all. I don't think he obviously has his Strava for people to see. Okay. All right. There we go. We'll take that. Um, so there we go. So in the raw. So, yeah, as you said, the, the female race in the long course, that was extremely close uh, between those three. Um, Brian looks on good form. He's had a great start to the year. He's won multi he's podiumed in multiple races so far this year. Um, I, I haven't actually really chatted to Brian too much at races, so I don't know what his plans are for the year. I don't know if he's in any longer course races over 50k and things like that we know he's um uh, he's done well at blackhall in the past over 50k so it'd be interesting to see what he's into i know there was mention of eddie going having a ticket down to uta 50 um actually on that kyle what's your prediction i what's your, <laughs> i'm gonna ask you first what's your prediction we've, we've seen the videos and the footage from katoomba and, and we're talking now two months they gave a two-month update do you think it's going to go ahead can you see it possibly going ahead Oh, I hope it does because they've had a bit of a crappy run of it in races lately. Yeah. But yeah, looking at the footage, didn't I can't say that filled me with hope that UTA is going to go ahead on time anyway. So I, whether it ends up getting postponed or not. But the interesting thing, if they have to postpone it, is normally what happens at UTA is about a week or two after that, the snow starts to hit Katoomba occasionally. I feel yeah. like we always get back from UTA and like two weeks later, everyone's posting photos of a snow covered Katoomba. So might be a snow race this year. They might have to postpone it a few Ooh. weeks into the snow. That that could be and make for a very interesting UTA. <laughs> Definitely. Um, see, I mean, I, I couldn't believe, obviously, the, the, the rain and the floods has moved from Queensland to northern New South Wales and then all the way down to sort of Sydney. And some of the footage from the, the falls down there, Katoomba Falls, my goodness. I mean, because it's not just a case of getting the course ready, is it? It's a case of actually getting the logistics behind it and things that maybe as runners we don't consider that race directors have to go through. So safety, you know, most of us don't require safety. We don't require emergency vehicles, but that's the number one requirement that they have to get right. They've got to be able to, yeah, you might be able to run on a track. You might be able to run through certain places, but if they can't get a four-wheel drive out there or if they can't get access medics out there, then, you know, and even crew getting from place to place. Um, I did see one, <laughs> I did see one person. It was brilliant uh, on one of the forums. They said a suggestion for an alternative course and they just did the descent down Kadumba and then up the stairs. And they just did that five times for the hundred. So that was like a, a suggestion, just out and back from the stairs, up to Kadumba, back down to Queen Vic, out and back, out and back, out and back. 
Um, I mean, they had to change it. Then they changed the course in 2017. That was a different course that year. Um, I think 2018 was back to normal. 2019 was normal. 2020 was obviously cancelled. 2021 was normal. So, yeah, it'd be a, people have their training is at peak now, isn't it, for a race such as that? And I, I must admit, Kyle, when I first saw those photos and things, I thought I can't see how. You know, we're, we're talking about an area which which wouldn't dry very very quickly because of where it's located and how high it is. And I can't see how. Yeah, I'm fingers crossed. Yeah, and like I said, fingers crossed. But I think sometimes people don't realise how long it takes to repair those things they kind mm. of oh yeah you just get in there and repair that but they they will have a lot of work to do obviously in the next few months to repair all the damage that's happened around there it's not just you know something national parks yeah. are sitting there going oh great we'll get to the uta course first like i think yeah. there's some areas that are probably a bit more pressing you know where people have been affected a little bit more where they've got to you know, spend their time so i guess like you said fingers crossed but they'll do their best and, and hope that it goes ahead on time Maybe they should put out a working bee notice just for anyone who's willing to help to repair the course. I think you find every person racing would go out with a shovel and a bucket and just help out to get it as, as flat as possible. Um, all right, so that's that's in the raw. Now let's let's go from, from trail running, steep trail running, over to uh, track running. So I'm going to talk about a local event that's happened, and Kyle, you're going to go in, you're going to go national with your results. So midweek, there was a couple of results that that drew my attention one in particular was the female 3000 meter queensland championships because one of the young ladies has been doing very very well at the seq uh, trail series did extremely well here so the queensland 3000 champs were on um up in brisbane in midweek i think it was a i think it was a tuesday or a wednesday night i might, might be wrong there but um third place for the males was nick dewar he ran 819 second place kieran perkins from the burt squad he ran 818 and first place was Craig Payton from the University of um, Sunny Coast, ran 8.15. So only three seconds. But, Kyle, as you know, from track running now, three seconds, that's a fair distance over 3,000 metres. That's that's enough time to sort of raise the arms and look over the shoulder with a bit of a smile. Um, and one interesting one there was, for a local runner here, was George Lethlian. Uh, sorry, Joseph Lethlian, 9.03 in Heat 4. Took out Heat 4, Joe, which is, which is Troy's boy um troy from Trailbrew. it's uh his young son joseph who's, who's getting faster and faster he's run 903 i know for, for i actually ran into <laughs> we ran into troy on our long run a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that he was that joseph was doing this race and he'd been running so well and was going to hope to try and run kind of close to nine minutes because i think he must i think troy said i'll probably get this wrong but he'd run about 915 around that kind of mark not too long ago and was hoping to go closer to nine so i think he's got a couple of rivals i think they're twins in that they were in the oh, heat okay. before that they're the same age and they're kind of they go to the nationals and everything and they were in there i think they were both ran maybe 857 or 858 so oh, he's right. nipping at their heels now so he's closing the gap to to the fastest kids his age in queensland which is good to see and i, I did actually see troy uh, i think i ran a goat loop with him last week sometime and i said if you get to that stage whenever you have an athlete whether it's you know son or daughter or whether it's someone that you're coaching and that you're always ahead of them for year after year after year. And then there's one year when they just pull up on your shoulder, draw level with you, and then they go ahead of you. And you think in that moment, I'm never going to catch him again. Like, it, it, Troy, you're never going to beat your son ever again, particularly if he's running 903. That's like, that's well, yeah, it. The moment has passed. And it's the it's, best bit about that is I can still. So I paced Joseph in my first ever track race back. I would have been maybe four years ago. I remember Troy messaged me and said, can you get to Griffith? It was a random Saturday afternoon and Joseph was trying to run a qualifier to go to state, I think at that point. Um, and yeah. Troy, it was a, like I said, there was about five of us on the start line. There was myself, Troy, Joseph, maybe one other young kid, another like maybe teenager. 
And that was my first ever track race yeah. was this random 1500 meter race on the track at Griffith. And I had a great time. So I ran in front of Joseph and Troy right behind to make sure he could run this time. And now to see how fast he's running now, I don't think either Troy or I be, would be pacing him at all. It'd be a, a sprint just to keep up with him. So it's, it's so good to see him doing so well. What do you, what do you reckon you'd run for a 3000? and then the, in the female race we had aspen anderson now aspen's she ran 934 so aspen has come up in our park run sort of series that we've done at the end of the year she's come up in that a few times um isabella hart ran 937 and here's the name i wanted to mention murphy rankin 941 came third place so you can see there, Kyle. This is what you've mentioned many times: is that you know you can sub, you can change speed from a track runner, track road runner, and you can apply that into local trail racing and do extremely well. Um, so Mur- Murphy's obviously very, very fast there. She's what she's running three. What would that be? Three thirteens, three thirteen, three fourteen average, about that. Three twelve maybe um, for each of the kilometers. So yeah, nine forty one. Murphy Rankin. So she wasn't at Hins Dam, um, but let's see if she's back for uh, Daisy Hill which is coming up next weekend, I think. So, yeah. But, Kyle, that's the Queensland Championships. Now, unbeknown to me, you also said that the Australian 3000 Championships was on as well. Now, check out the people listening at home, the difference in times between a local Queensland Championship and to national level. So the guys ran 8.15 and the females ran 9.34. So have a listen to what Kyle says here. So interesting. I'm going to go through the females first because I watched this last night as well. And the females went through the first K in 3.15 which is really slow. No, yep. it's not slow. I shouldn't say that because people listening going, I'd love to run a 3.15 kilometre. But for these runners who, you know, that's, you know, for some of them, that's, you know, their 10K pace and they're doing it in a 3K. So they went through, it was really slow. You can see no one wanted to take the lead and they were just almost jogging. So they went through the first K in 3.15 and then it picked up a little bit. And I think they must have gone through at about 3.02 for the second one. And then there was a massive group of them. So in the end, Holly Campbell came third in 9.08 Natalie Rule was second in 906.68 and Rose Davies got the win in 906.35. So they ran, I think, something like a 250 last kilometre for that race. So they were absolutely <laughs> flying. And it was a Nat Rule. It looked like Rose had it sewn up and then Nat kind of pulled up on her shoulder at about 100 to go and looked like she was going to pass her and they were just neck and neck down the straight. And Rose just got her by yep. you know, 0.33 of a second, a third of a second in the end. So that was an interesting race to watch because – they were saying on the commentary, normally it's the guys that do that. They kind of just won't take the lead and they'll just jog around for a few laps and then try and kick each other at the end. And it was this time it was the ladies that did that. Um, and then the guys were the opposite. So that was the ladies one. So they ran just close to nine minutes flat. But in the the male one, it kind of got taken out pretty quick from the start. And there was, you know, a couple of Olympians in this field and just kind of the, some of the best runners we've got, um, you know, in the country at the moment. So it was one of those races that I, I'm going to go through just to put it in perspective. There were 16 finishes of this other than the pace. So 16 people finished Jack Bruce, who won it last year. He came second last and ran eight flat 0.09. So he ran eight flat and came wow. 15th. So, which is just ridiculous. So in the end it was, and to put this in perspective, the first four runners were within 0.4 of a second of each other. It was a great last yep. lap to watch. And so Sam McKenty, he he has an Olympian of ours. He's gone for the 5K. He ran 747.56. Uh, Cameron Griffiths, he ran 747.3. And Jude Thomas, local Queensland boy who's from out at Ipswich, he's only 19 years mm-hmm. old. He won in 747.26. 
So he's 20 this yeah. year. So he's still a teenager and he just won the national championships in 747. So he's now I saw that cause he was the one that he broke Ryan Gregson's under 20 Australian 3k record last year at nationals for under twenties. I'm pretty sure because he had, I don't think he has turned 20 yet. I'm assuming he'll break that record again, his own record. And it's now 747. So if yeah. anyone, you know, has seven and a half minutes spare or you know, nine minutes <laughs> for the ladies, go and watch these races. Cause they were really good racing for different yeah. reasons. But Jude kind of was sitting in about in about fifth going in at the bell lap and just he kicked with about 300 to go and just went for it and only got took the lead in the last probably 80 metres and just out kicked. You know, we've got Olympians and some of the best country, runners in the country and he's just gone straight past them. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a massive, a massive result for Jude. So I think they're expecting big things out of him. He's under Melbourne Track Club and Nick Badeau's kind of group now, mm. as are most of the top distance runners in the country. So he's definitely one to watch. He'll be one of those ones, I think, over the next five or six years that's going to do some pretty special things. So mm. name to watch. And when you when you do compare those two times, you know, Craig Payton at the Queensland Titles runs 8.15, Jude Thomas runs 7.47. So that's a 28-second difference. So to put that in perspective, the Queensland boys at the Queensland Titles are just at the end of the back straight. They're 200 metres away. Then They've still got, you know, half a lap to go, which over 3,000 metres is an absolutely monstrous distance. Um, and, of course, then, Kyle, you step up to international level and it becomes even quicker again. Like, it is yeah, it is amazing to, to look at Craig Payton's time of 8.15 and Aspen Anderson at 9.34. That's phenomenal running. That's great running. Not to downplay that at all, but then it's it only when you then step up another level, you know, the step-ups from local to state to national then international, they are massive jumps, extraordinary jumps. And... You know, this is the thing I'm always amazed with track running. The margin for error is so small and so tiny, isn't it? Like, I remember um, talking to Jackson Elliott years ago, and I think this was in Jacko, who now is the coach for Gold Coast Runco. Jacko's come third at the Gold Coast 10. You know, he's broken 30 minutes many times. And I think at one stage he was he was seventh or eighth, um, you know, over 5,000 metres. And I think that was in the, in the country at one stage. He was seventh, eighth or ninth over 5,000 metres. And he was saying, like, I'm miles behind. I'm, I'm sort of three-quarters of a lap behind some of these boys. And But then when you put that in perspective and go, if you're seventh or eighth or ninth or tenth best in the country, you're, you're playing international sport, aren't you? You're a Wallaby or you're a, you're a Diamond or, you you know, you're Matilda or whatever. So the margin for error and the margin for selection in athletics is so small and so fine that it's, it is real cutthroat. And like you said then, was it top four? We're within 0.4 of a second, 0. did you say? 0.4 of a second, yeah. It's extraordinary. Crazy. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and Kyle, when I'm when I'm back to some sort of uh, racing fitness, I do I, I do want to do the five thousand this year. I don't know if I'll do the ten thousand on the track because that's that's a brutal event. And I'll be su- I'll be surprised. <laughs> I was going to say if you're back again, but uh, but the five thousand would be would be wonderful to, to do uh, later on in the year. So let's go from the track championships over to. We'll just give this one a quick mention because it is a new trail race that's been happening. The Hidden Vale. Um, trail series they've got three races today was race number two so i'll just mention the winners of the because i'm not too sure what the distances were but we had the long course uh billy curtis 50 minutes and 54 seconds uh rose dylan for the females one hour and one minute uh in the short course darcy swain who's also part of um uh, trail co for the run walk talk down the southern trail end of brew. the coast come on top trail brew what, what did i say trail co what did i say Close. oh sorry trail co. sorry darcy Close. Close. I got too many right. I got too many running names in my head. Let me do that again. Darcy Swain, who's part of Trail Brew, um, uh, thirty-four minutes and forty-five seconds. I thought Darcy was just heading out there to set up the Trail Brew tent, but it sounds like he's thrown a bib on. 
maybe he's had a bit of a look around at the starting field and thought, I'm a chance here. I'm a podium chance and, and jumped in with a, with a late entry. Uh, so well done, Darcy. That's a great result. Not sure if Darcy's heading to UTA. He's been there a couple of times. So I'm not too sure what his plans are this year. And then G, uh, Judy uh, Peters Torfer in 43.50 in the female. So, yeah, Cole, I don't know too much about the Hidden Vale one, to be honest. I haven't looked into it too much, but it's another one of those trail series which is popping up. Um, and from what I can gather, the photos look great. The course looks wonderful. So one certainly to look at um, at this time of year. So there we go. Uh, now, Kyle, let's let's pivot a, a bit more overseas. You've got a 50-kilometre world record yeah. um, to mention. And then I've got a few things also from overseas, which I which I found quite interesting this year. So you kick us yeah. off with the 50K world record. So this was, I think the 50K world record is one of those ones that had been sitting there for a while and everyone kind of just knew, okay, it's just going to take one of these really good marathon runners just to decide they want to do this 50K and they're going to absolutely smash it. Um, yep. And that's exactly what's happened. So Stephen Makoka, who's, I think he's a 207 marathoner. He's, he's a very, very good runner. Um, he has run 240.13 for 50K. So I think they said he's, he went through wow. the marathon in 213 and kept going and has absolutely smashed it. So I always find it funny when this stuff happens because generally a lot more trail runners follow road ultra running than road and marathon runners follow 50K road running. So yes, a lot of the trail runners kind of look at this and go, oh, my God, that is just insane. But then the road runners probably look at it and go, oh, like this guy's not even in the top of the, the marathon fields. Mm. You know, mm. like you get a, a 203 marathon, I've decided to do it, and they're going to run 230. So yeah. it's kind of – it just makes you realise how fast the marathon guys are. But, you know, this is a guy that's gone through the marathon in 213 and kept running. And he's run 240. So I think it's a matter, I think it was minutes and minutes off the world record. So new 50K world record. And it just makes everyone realize they've probably done, you know, GC50 or something, how fast these guys actually are yeah. to run 50 kilometers yeah. in two hours and 40 minutes. Because I think there's a lot of people that would kill for a 240 marathon, let alone a 240 50K. So definitely, <laughs> it was, it's good to definitely. see kind of uh, an elite marathon runner decide to run a 50K just to show how quick they actually are. So what did you say his PB in the marathon was and what did he go through the marathon here in? I believe he's, I think he's a 207. I think he's run 207 or so. And that was a few years yeah. ago and he's run, uh, he went through the marathon, I think in 213, around 213, 214. Wow. Then um, carried on for another right. 7.8 kilometres. Jeez. So, I mean, as, as you said, like he's he's not even up, not with respect to him, he's not even at the pointy end of the marathon field. So you could theoretically say that if one of the top two or three marathon runners in the world, if they were to pivot and, and change to a 50K, yeah, you, you could still probably knock five minutes off that world record if one of the top three or four marathon runners give that a bit of a go. Um, where, did, where did he set that? Where was the, where was the world record? Where was the location? It was in, in South Africa. So he's South African and it was set over in South Africa because they, yeah. they love their road, their road ultras. So, um, yeah, he yeah. went over there and back at home and has set it. So... Yeah, he's absolutely smashed. I'm just looking at his PB here, and it is 207.40 from 2015. He's run, so he's a he's a sub 60 minute half marathon runner. So he's a 59.36 half marathoner. So a serious serious runner. He's run 27.38 for 10k. So can run. Well, can run. So a couple of other things, Kyle. Uh, one, I've, you know, a couple of months ago, I changed in watches, didn't I? I went from uh, from Garmin over to Coros, and um, it seems I don't know if well, I don't know if I can claim that I've been a bit of a trendsetter, but some big athletes in the last week, Kyle, have, have mentioned this, have mentioned that they've now changed sponsorship. Did you did you catch that update? So I, I just want to make everyone aware that it went Kipchoge was on the Coros, and then I came in 
not sure how long afterwards, but then straight away after I'm on level par with Kipchoge too. It was kind of Kipchoge <laughs> on one side, Tom Batty on the other side, and yeah. then yeah, these new and then, these new hey, teams thought, shit, I got to I'm going to take Tom's spot on here. I need the new top spot in Koros. So who, did you see it? Did you see the two people who announced? That I, I did. Well, I saw Killian and Emily, his wife. I'm assuming they're yeah. the two that you're talking about. So, yes, That's right. I, I did see that he was leaving Sunto to Koros, and I thought, geez, Tom's, Tom's news has really spread globally oh, very quickly. Couldn't believe it. I thought, geez, I, could now, I can now say that I was on Koros before Killian was and before Emily was. So, um there we go. Yeah, that's that's the, that was my big uh, my big watch update. That's going to be my talking point now. When people say, "Was it is is the watch any good?" I can say, "Well, you know, I had it for a month, and then Killian jumped on board." So good news travels fast. I think you Maybe can say the watch is good, and Coros currently have a lot of cash to splash. I think that's what we can. <laughs> we had that conversation. <laughs> yeh. Oh, maybe maybe Killian is just a fan of the podcast. Maybe this is getting to Look, over man, Norway. That's... I should. I sh- I should look at a bit of the data, see if it's getting there. Maybe there's one or two listens in Norway somewhere and we'll think that's them. They've, they've heard us talking about it and they're, they're jumping over. The other thing, Kyle, was Barkley marathons. Barkley wins again, yes. doesn't it? There's no no victory for anyone. We, we were interested, weren't we, to see if Courtney DeWalter could make it, but she ran a phenomenal first lap, I think, eight hours, um, and then just got lost, I think, in the cold. And I saw some photos from, what's the name of that hill? Is it is it Ratcliffe? Rat? Ratjaw, no Ratjaw, uh, Ratjaw Hill, and just yeah. her legs are just torn to pieces. Um, but yeah, crazy, yeah, crazy again. Year, no finishes. It's one of those things. I don't think people, like, I don't even think I can fully appreciate how hard it is. Like, it's one of those things we look at and go, like, well, why can't they finish? Just, just get around and find the books. Like, yeah, what are you guys doing? But oh, it's one of those ones that I think <laughs> until you go there and be in the terrain, you would have no idea what you're in for trying to get around that that type of course and yeah. navigate in those conditions. It's absolutely brutal. So. Yeah, tough one to finish, obviously. Definitely. It, it makes you want to go back and watch the, the Netflix uh, series, or Netflix docker they did on it again, just to get back in the zone. But let's let's pivot over, Kyle, to the Goat Loop. There's been a little bit happening, not too much. Today, being the 13th of March, is the day that we said was the Goat Loop's birthday. So um, seven years old, 2015, did we say it was? I can't even remember. I think it was. Was it, was it, no, seven was it? Yeah, we should know this, shouldn't we? I think it was around there. seven or eight. Single yeah. digits anyway. Still, yeah. still young, still young. Yeah. Like any good parents here, we're just completely forgetting the how old our children really are. Um, <laughs> so the goat loop school, I think. Yeah, the goat the goat loop birthday today. Ryan Bolton is actually out on course at the moment. I think he's running his hundreds, and today is Ryan's thirtieth birthday as well. So I think that's a nice little um, little uh, pattern occurring there for Ryan. So he's running his hundreds now. Um, what do we have this week, this fortnight? We've had another 120 people do it. It's almost exactly the same, Kyle, as the previous fortnight. Now, I've run some numbers here. We have 41 weeks to go in the year. If we do 60 of those a week, which is what it's looking out to be, it will give us 2,460 more goat loops to the end, which would give us... 9,210. So we're actually a little bit, I think we're a bit ahead of my total. We're well ahead of yours now, but we're actually streaming to, we could push this out to, we could push this out to um, 10,000. What do we need? We're not far off. We're well within, we're within a year of 10,000 hitting by the sounds of it. We're getting, I reckon we could hit it. We only need, we only need to lift the number by 800 more. We only need to do 3,200 by the end of the year. So instead of doing 60 a week, if, if we can do 80 a week as a community, we'll get to 10,000 by the end. 80 goat loops a week, that's all we need. 11 and something a day. It's not we just that, need to see. I feel like I'm doing my fair share. So you are, Kyle. You pull are their finger out and get out there like me. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> 
Um, and the only person I saw who had a bit of an, I don't think it was an attempt, I think it was a bit of a recce, was was Eddie Keogh, who we mentioned earlier. Um, and I did say to him, he went around, I think, with Andrew Pierce, and they ran, ran in 35 minutes to have a bit of a look at it. So he's one definitely that would go sub-30, and you'd imagine would, would make a bit of damage in that sub-30 group. But we chatted about this in the middle of the week, Kyle. It's an absolute mess out there, Narang, at the moment. It is torn to pieces. Even an easy goat loop, a jog goat loop, just destroys the feet. Um, I can't even see how people... I mean, I look at Eddie's time in 35 minutes and think, even that'd be tough. That'd be tough on the ankles. Mm. That's, there's almost no part of it um, that appears to be runnable. And we, we, I asked you, I think, midweek, uh, when I saw you, when the last time we thought it was graded on... We, we think it's every year, about July time, every year. Some people think it's every two years. So I think, yeah, if you're planning anything, plan it for late July. I think, I think they'll have to grade it again. They'll have to smooth it over because it's, yeah. it's pretty dangerous at the moment. It you is. wouldn't know. It I was saying, dangerous. we ran down there on Monday morning when I took the group out there. Well, I I've, I've did run one section of the loop, actually, on Monday morning, and it was that section from the top yeah. of three hills down. And I said to someone when we were running down, this is the rockiest I've ever seen this section. So yeah. I've never seen it in that condition before. So, yeah, if anyone's going in at the moment and runs a fast time, you're, you're doing very, very well. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, all right, Kyle. So uh, that's pretty much the fortnight as it's been. Uh, I don't think we've missed, missed too much. As I said, I think Wild Horse at night was supposed to be in there. And I think obviously you and Maddox were supposed to be last week. They've both been uh, rescheduled, I believe. I think you and Maddox have been rescheduled. And I think Wild Horse at night is now going to be part of Wild Horse Criterium later. Uh, I think that's next month. So let's have a bit of a look, Kyle. In a fortnight, a fortnight yesterday, of course, we've got the two biggest ultras at the start of the year. Uh, two brand new ones. We've got the Yandina 5.0. And I've seen a lot of people being going out to the Yandina area and doing some jogs around the course and things like that. And we've got the Noosa Ultra Trail on the 26th. They're both the 26th of March. Um, so lots of people on the coast are training for both. The one I'm really fascinated in, I mean, I'm in the, in the, in the 21K at Yandina, which is going to be a great race. Um, I'm really interested, Kyle, to know, obviously Noosa Ultra Trail has been run by ex-triathletes or ex-Ironmen. So they're going to have quite a pull from the triathlon world. And we know that the triathlon is very strong on the Sunshine Coast. And we know that the Noosa course isn't particularly hilly. It's quite flat. It's quite runnable. So I'm wondering, there might be some quite good triathletes or some road runners who come off the road onto the trail and could really spring a surprise or two, you know, if it doesn't have the yeah, technicality. Because it's fast. They're down. fast course too. So I think, you mm. know, there's probably going to be some names we're reading out that we haven't read out before, which is, it's also exciting yeah. to see you know, who, because I know there's going to be some fast trail runners there too. So to see kind of where everyone stacks up against each other on a, on a runnable trail course will be, will be interesting. Yeah. And yeah, Dina, that's going to be fascinating. It sounds like a great course. Um, wonderful start and finish line sort of precinct, but obviously we've had a huge amount of rain and Simon mentioned when we talked to him that there's 10 Creek crossings in the 50 K. So I imagine they're doing a lot of work. 28 Creek crossings, I reckon. <laughs> Yeah, it, could, it might be like that famous creek crossing at uh, Western States where you have a rope and a, and a boat <laughs> to take you across. <laughs> um, but apart from that, Kyle, we've got um, SEQ at Daisy Hill, which is normally the, the final race of the season, but I'm not sure it is now. I think you and Maddox are probably going to be moved. Um, that's on next weekend. And then we sort of look at um, the Pinnacles is in early April. We've got Dead Cow Gully um, and the Wild Horse Criterium as well as GC Run Festival. Um, so it's it's building now. Now when I look at this calendar I've got written in front of me, it's it's every weekend or multiple races on a, every weekend. So that's great. That is awesome to see. Um, but that's about it, Kyle. That is about it for our episode. Anything special for you for the next fortnight? Can you give us a quick 
window into your uh, training. Well, it's life. probably the like I'll be getting ready to to taper. We'll start to taper yeah. when we speak next. So I've kind of got probably another three or four kind of key sessions that I'm going to do leading up to this marathon. Tick them off. Probably two more big marathon sessions and two other just kind of interval ones to tick the legs over. Big long run next weekend. I think this will be the longest yeah. long run I do, which will be three weeks out. Um, and yeah, that's about it for me. It'll be work, training, normal stuff, making sure yep. all the baby room things are finished, finished painting the wall yep. the other weekend. So now it's big jobs are done. So no, yep. it's all getting exciting, but no, business as usual for me. What about you for the next fortnight? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I've, I've, I've had some really good weeks. The last three weeks have been great. Um, but in the last, I didn't actually do many Ks this week. I, I I backed it off pretty 10 or 15 Ks because I'm my Achilles is just starting to have a little bit of pain in it. And I don't, I'm not sure if it's Achilles or whether it's, you know, my lower calf. So I uh, didn't run today. I uh, had uh, I have Tuesday off. I didn't do the, the speed session on Tuesday because I was like, this is, for most this week, it's just been, I wouldn't say it's singing, but it's humming. It's, it's just there ever so slightly. So, um, yeah, a little bit of maintenance, I think, for the next week. Uh, I'll do some sort of a workout, but it'll probably be at a lower intensity. Um, and then, yeah, just try and try and get healthy for Yandina in two weeks. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yes, the race is going to be good, but I think I'm just looking forward to, again, putting a bib on and going to a race and going to a new race and and just enjoying it. Um, I'm, I'm actually in, I'm in a pretty good position at the moment with my running because I'm not heavily focused on races. I've said no to a couple of big races that I thought I'd say yes to. Um and I'm just in this stage now where it's just like just train, 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 do a couple of good workouts, jump in a shorter course race, a shorter trail race, and, yeah, have a bit of fun. And then I think probably mid-year is when I'll start to look at things and go, okay, now I'll start to target a few races in the second half of the year. So got to be careful, Kyle. Old man body here. Got to be very exactly careful. Exactly right. Make I, smart I decisions. Wanna... Smart decisions, Tom. I don't, I don't want to be back into you with an Achilles um, strain. So, Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to loosen it up. I'm trying to loosen the calves. That's what today's been. Try and loosen the calves up a little bit and see how we go. All right, mate. Thanks for that. Sounds good. And uh, we'll catch everyone in, in a fortnight. We will. See everyone then.